Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to On the Table, episode three, where we're going to be talking about the Lannisters, of course, everyone's favorite house of of A Song of Ice and Fire. I know there are people out there that are a little bit bitter, and uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's go and uh, expand upon that a bit about how great they are. Yeah, you can't see me, but I'm shaking my head, Chase. <laughs> oh, man, I mean, I was a little concerned. Uh, there was a tournament, actually, that someone posted the percentage of people, what, what percentage of them were playing Lannisters versus what percentage were playing House Stark, and I think it was like 60% or 66% playing Lannister. And I just wonder, is that because some of the things we're going to talk about today are overemphasized or people haven't really quite figured out how to counter certain things? Or we're maybe waiting on some units that might really change how the game is played. But I'm, I'm assuming we'll, we'll uncover some of that as we go tonight. 100%, yeah. So so we're going to kind of flip things around today. Uh, since you are really the, the Lannister pro, uh, <laughs> we figured we kind of... Do things a little differently this time, and, and uh, you could offer your thoughts and opinions on what you think of the Lannister units, what you like to take, what you think is not that great, and you know I'll probably jump in here occasionally uh, <laughs> to talk about some of my favorite and least favorite mechanics to see on the other side of the table. I did find uh, uh, that I could become a, a pro at something by taking hits, getting hit <laughs> and triggering effects. It's like this is one of the few things you can go pro at just by just by eating hits. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I mean, so uh, that actually takes us nicely into our very first unit on today's review list, which is the Lannister Guards. Uh, and so they have a movement of four. They have a four plus to hit. Uh, they go to a six, five, three at their last rank. They save on a three plus. Morale is a seven plus. But the real news here is the Lannister Supremacy ability, which is when this unit is attacked and passes its panic test, the attacker must make a panic test with a minus two to their roll. Yikes. All right. So tell me. <laughs> I <laughs> love me, these uh, guys. Uh, geez, All right. So this, I think, is the pound for pound best unit in the game. And I know people are going to be like, what? That's crazy. But we're just talking about efficiency here. And what what is the there's like kind of a few elements here that make this such a great unit. And it might be the three plus armor. Man, that's great. It might be the Lannister supremacy. But really what it is, is that those two things combine with the character tactic cards that you can get to make this unit be really flexible in the Lannister play style. And so there's so many things you can use to help make this unit be successful that it can always be a useful core unit that you take. Uh, And you're going to get some points out of it. Even when you mess up and get attacked and and caught out of position, you're going to be okay. Like you you can weather quite a bit. And so I think that's these are the unsung heroes. And I know people... It does have some weaknesses, unlike the Starks when it goes, you know, it starts to lose ranks. You do learn, you do lose some combat uh, efficacy uh, going down to three attacks on your last rank. You know, that's that's going to do nothing. But really at that point, what you're just doing is you're just there to take hits and uh, and trigger that Lannister supremacy. Yeah. So, I mean, Lannister supremacy as, a bil- as an ability g- generally is, um, you know, it's got to be one of the most effective tools in the Lannister arsenal. Um, you know, it works over and over again. It works whether you're attacked in the front or in the flank or in the rear. Um, you know, all you have to do is pass a test, a seven plus, and uh, you know, you're reflecting back a pretty significant amount of damage potentially. And so, I mean, these guys are, are awesome at, at holding, holding a point and, and sticking in there. Now, Chase, uh, 
I mean, what as far as attachments go, you know, what's the uh, what's your what are your thoughts on who you want to take with these guys? So I, I've seen people throw in like a Jamie Lannister to get the counterattack off of their armor save. But I really think the the best move for this unit is to put a guards captain for one point and then save Definitely. those extra points to put in another unit type. And what you're really thinking about is, OK, what what commander are you going to take to combo with this unit? And, uh, you know, at a later date, we'll talk particularly about how the, to best build your tactics deck to support these. But when we talk about NCUs, the High Sparrow is going to come up. You have options to boost their morale so that they're going to be triggering Lannister Supremacy more often. You could take Cersei to throw a negative two that's going to stack with their Lannister Supremacy, making it a negative four. And then if there's other terrain effects nearby, like, uh, uh, what is it called? The Spike Pit, the uh, Corpse Tokens corpse pile yeah the corpse pile that's gonna be negative five spike pit and so when you're i mean that's what it feels like you get near there and it's just like oh man <laughs> so it's like oh man that unit's got really great morale it's it's yeah. lannister supremacy is not gonna be so great well guess what like there are ways to get around that and i think what makes lannister supremacy so upsetting is that it's it swings like it, it can go really poorly or have no impact but you're gonna remember when you hit a unit that has lannister supremacy and you roll double ones and you lose way more units than you actually did damage. That's going to stick out in your mind. So there's like a psychological element. Even if on an average game, maybe it all balances out, you're going to remember when Lannister Supremacy hits you hard. And it stings, the, for sure. And for six points, I mean, that's a, a great unit. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, it, this pretty much is a six-point unit. Like, I would never take, I mean, not never, but I would generally say, if you have the points for it, this is so much better than almost anything else that you can take with you. Because, you know, let's keep in mind, so the Guard Captain's ability is order at any cost. So it is a once per, uh, you know, uh, round ability. But when this unit would fail a panic test, you can kill one non-attachment model in this unit. This unit automatically passes this panic test. So that's giving you two effects, right? So there's the obvious one, which is, okay, great. You're going to automatically trigger Lannister Supremacy no matter how bad you roll on your morale test. Uh, so you're essentially immune to morale tests as long as you're not failing more than one in a single round. But the other thing that's sort of the side benefit of this is that it, you're also completely immune to disastrous panic rolls so that you're not losing any additional units from that case. So like if you get charged in the rear, right, you have a minus two to your morale test. Normally that would be pretty devastating. In this case, you go, okay, well, I'm just, you know, kind of my armor is going to save some of my guys, even with that minus two to the save. But then when it comes to the panic test, which, you know, I'd be expecting to fail. Otherwise, you know, you just trigger guard captain, kill one of your guys. And now, you know, that enemy is going to be uh, having to make their own morale check. And the way I think about it is uh, I've got a, a six point unit on the board. Is there another six point unit deployed across from me that can trade with my unit? If I'm really worried, man, that six point unit's going to kick my butt. Okay, now I'm worried. But if it's a seven point unit, if it's an eight point unit, I'm more than happy to have my lesser value unit be caught up there. And if the best case scenario, maybe you charge it with a unit in the front and you have to charge it with another unit on the side, I might be taking up to 10 points of uh, your army being distracted, allowing me to try and get counterflanks or me and me to move up into positions uh, and I can kind of tar pit you with this unit. Um, yeah. So it's really about how can you maximize its efficiency. Now, yeah. you know, talking about talking about this chase, uh, I'm going to have to crack a beer real quick. Oh, there, there we go. The, uh, <laughs> starting to, sorry, I'm oh. starting to feel the, uh, the stomach bile some, churning. Some, some, uh, some bad memories here. I have some memories. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so here's the thing, right? Um, with, with the Lannister Guardsman um, unit is that 
it's it's difficult to counter because you have you know not really any great options. You can try to trigger it early with a unit that maybe doesn't care as much about panic by uh, you know maybe like you charge them with a berserker unit and you say okay well maybe they'll have to trigger their uh, you know their their guard captain ability first. Uh, but then you're tying up two units on a unit that's pretty inexpensive, right? Right. Uh, you know, I'm throwing a seven point unit in just so I can line up a secondary shot with a unit of, you know, Stark Sworn Swords. Uh, and so these guys just seem to punch way above their weight class. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that people have said is for, sort of like a, another tactic to it is just to sort of ignore them, you know, just avoid them entirely. Yep. Um, which, you know, it doesn't it's it doesn't strike me as particularly uh fun as a uh <laughs> as a as a strategy is to not attack an enemy um but honestly sometimes that's a much much better choice is to just go you know what i'm gonna like they're slow that's that's their disadvantage uh is that i'm gonna try to get out of the way of these guys and just ignore them uh you know it's easier said than done in some game modes but uh, that's really in a lot of cases you know that's going to be your best bet and if you're playing Lannister and you have the guards unit, you want to be taking their scary units to the face. So if you've got a berserker unit across from you, you want to make sure that the berserker unit hits you in the front and you tie yep. them up because you're going to be able to put other tactics or other uh, NCU abilities into play to either weaken the opponent so they don't hit you as hard or boost your morale or just mess with the enemy. Um, you don't want to end up having a cheaper unit where this is maybe an example where the uh, the Stark Swordsmen, uh, Sworn Swords, uh, you know, they get caught up in the front with you. Now you're tied up with them, and then you get flanked by something much, much better. Um, you know, that can start to be a little bit more problematic. But yeah. it turns the game for Lannisters from a, a battle into a card game. Like you're actually right. playing a different game than your opponent if it's the Starks. <laughs> They're trying to kill right. people on the battlefield, and you're like, okay, look at these sweet cards and stuff I got, and I'm going to just chip away, you know, with this unit. And, uh, you know, if I'm in a hurry to kill stuff, like, this is not the unit I want to take. Um, but that's why you mix up your forces. You got some, you know, a flexible army here with this as a, a really great core anvil to catch units. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a th- so, so the, the, the problem is, like, the, with the Lannister supremacy is, again, like, that. It, it just works over and over again. It works no matter what I'm doing to maneuver or outmaneuver or, you know, get around the sides. You know, the, the ability is always going to have the capability of triggering. So, yeah, the... The guard captain is limited to like one, you know, activation per round. Um, but, you know, you just have to pass a seven plus test, which on average, you know, you'll pass about half the time uh, just naturally. Um, and it really kind of makes a lot of uh, different types of options you'd use against them. Just not that great. Uh, so, it, you know, to that end, I'd say Lannister guardsmen are like the MVPs um, of the uh, of the Lannister army. And out of everything, I think it's we're going to see this on a few other units too. But it's that armor of three plus, in that mm-hmm. you're hitting them. You're not. You can't hit this unit and wipe it off the board in one turn. It's very difficult yeah. to do that, especially with the guard captain being that I'm going to auto pass my my panic test. So I mean, these guys are going to have the staying power that you need. Um, and when you start to look at like the the uh, the Tullys on the Stark side, I mean that's a, a significant investment to have such a defensive capability i would rather take this and have some extra points yeah than to go that far specializing into defensiveness right i mean if you compare the two if you take like a tully sworn uh sworn shield list uh or, or unit rather uh you know there's seven points base a lannister guardsman unit with a guard captain 
is six points. Now, you know, the the um, uh, the Tullys do have the advantage of the shield wall ability. You know, they hit on a three plus with their uh, melee attack. Uh, they have better morale. Uh, but I would say those units are like pretty comparable in terms of effectiveness. Uh, and the Lannister Guardsman is a full point cheaper. Um, and so that's a, you know, in terms of like getting to a point and holding it, I mean, it's just, uh, if you're like making an apples to apples comparison, I don't know. We'll have, you know, what we'll have to do is we'll just have to line up a, a, a couple of guardsmen units and Tully sworn, uh, shields and, you know, kind of just roll out and see <laughs> who comes out on top. Yeah. I mean, and so here's the problem then. So this is not a, this is a grinding unit. It's not a, uh, flashy, you know, dealing damage unit through conventional arms. So, I mean, I think that kind of brings us more towards the Lannister uh, Halberdiers. Um, now, that's a unit that can maybe do a little bit more offense and still has that defensive, like, kind of I can catch enemies. Like, when they charge me, I still have something to do back to them. Absolutely. Well, so, so talking about the Lannister Halberdiers, um, you know, they have a movement of five. Uh, they hit on a four plus. They're a seven, seven, three. So they don't uh, really drop in combat effectiveness until they're on their last rank. Uh, armor is a four plus, morale seven plus. Order set for charge. If this unit is unengaged and charged from the front, this unit may make one attack action against that enemy before they resolve their charge attack. Uh, and then they have a halberd, which gives them the ability for uh, sundering. So enemies suffer minus one to their defense save rolls. Uh, so tell me, what do, you, what do you think of these guys? Chief? All right, these are another excellent unit, um, but it's it's a much more specialized unit. So if you're just starting out, the, the Lannister Guardsmen, they can get caught out in the open and uh, be out of place, and it's pretty forgiving. Now, these guys, just that one drop of armor from a four plus, uh, from the three plus on the Guardsmen to the four plus on the Halberdiers, that makes a big difference. It's, it's quite noticeable. In addition, they don't have Lannister Supremacy, so you're really counting on strength of dice to do damage. And if you get mixed up with the wrong unit or you're you're weakened, um, you're losing one of the avenues that the Lannister army often does its damage. So this is really all about like how can you build this unit and then can you get this unit in the right position? Um, I know against you a lot of times I've really struggled where if it's a situation where like this is completely advantageous to me, like I want you to charge this unit, time to rock. You'll just be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like <laughs> clearly I'm yeah. going to avoid this at this point. And then I'm either, you know, then tracing you down or I'm getting caught in with less favorable units to hit. So um, it's a lot more tricky. It's it's a little bit more something you need to be more tactically flexible with. And uh, it takes a little bit more practice. Yeah, I mean, something I've used is actually using that set for charge ability um, to my advantage is, you know, you take your unit of fully healthy um, uh, berserkers and just run them right up the gut. It's like, okay, yeah, you're going to take a pretty beefy shot from them. Um, but you know, then you can just, uh, wail on them with more dice and they just don't really have, uh, very good armor or morale, um, you know, coming from a, uh, berserker unit. So, um, you know, depending on how things go, you could really put in a lot of damage. You know, you got to get into that final rank to really drop their effectiveness. Um, so that, that part is an advantage for these guys. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I definitely prefer to see these guys on the table than the Lannister Guardsmen. It's a much more uh, sort of obvious approach to take these guys out. And what makes this kind of an interesting unit is there's a design choice in it, in that the set for charge is an order, but it's only useful against people that charge from the front. So it's not like you're going to use it often in, mo- on, on a, in a single round, like m- multiple times be- anyway, because 
if you get charged in the front, you're you're going to probably be charged in the sides by another unit. So there's no point in saving it. When that unit charges you in the front, you're like, well, I might as well use it now. Right. But if it's Berserkers, then you got to really think, okay, so I potentially have that, that free seven hits or more with the NCUs you might choose, and we'll talk about that in a second. I can damage them. They're going to do more damage, and then maybe I can finish them off again and get lucky to... To do an addition, if I still have two ranks, I could still do another seven hits and get 14 attacks. Oh, yeah. But it's this tempting situation where it's like, well, that's a gamble, and you've really got to read the situation right. So there's a really, it's a really cool design space that they've carved out for this unit, um, but um, it's it's more specialized. And I feel like you know, that's another thing compared to the Guardsman. It's a more generalist unit. Yep. It's more forgiving. Now, this can actually do a little more damage and, and, and punch pretty hard through uh, heavily armored units, but if you maneuver them poorly... Uh, you're you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, like, so that not to go too much on the guardsmen again, but you know, their their ability works whether I shoot them with, you know, arrows, whether I charge into them from any side. Uh, the order set for charge is really, like you said, I mean, the odds of that. I mean, I don't think I can't think of too many scenarios where it would even be possible for that to trigger more than once. So it being in order is kind of. Um, you know, irrelevant for these guys. Uh, maybe if you kill a whole unit and then a second unit uh, charges you from the front, you know, th- then maybe that would be why it's an order. But otherwise, I really don't see it happening very often. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like these guys uh, as a Stark player. I prefer to see these guys on the table than uh, than the guardsmen. But they do, you know, they are they they are a pretty tough uh, unit in terms of being able to deal damage. You know, Sundering is always a super effective ability. Um, and so these guys are, are pretty good in that, in that respect. But it still sets, uh, up, now, it still sets up the army being sort of defensive here. And uh, the other thing that's really interesting is that it does allow you to strengthen it through the attachment choices you give it. And exactly. it saves the other units then for being able to use your NCUs or tactics cards to really bolster. And this one can kind of do its thing without needing as much outside support. Yeah, but, but I mean, talking about that, so uh, is there an attachment that you prefer uh, with these guys? Yeah, so I think, you know, you, you can do pretty well with the Assault Veteran and with that or hold the line order where if the unit begins the turn engaged, the unit's melee attacks get plus one to hit and they roll plus two dice. So you're rolling nine dice then if you're at one or, uh, you know, three or four, uh, three or two ranks. So that's pretty good. And it's going to have Sundering. It's going to hit on a three plus then. That's a significant amount of damage that you're throwing out there for only one additional point. But right. if you've got the points to spare, uh, Gregor Clegane, Lord Tywin's Mad Dog, is awesome. Um, so uh, for three points, this unit's melee attacks roll plus two dice and gain some... Oh, actually, I think I have the wrong one there. I'll edit that out. Where's okay. the... I meant... Oh, you'd want to... If you, if you can, no, right. put the character in it. So, so if you're going to want to add something in it, and I know we're talking about attachments here, but the character, um, Gregor Clegane, the mountain, Unstoppable Fury is awesome. So Wait, it, hang on, that's, that's the other one. Yeah. The one that's three points is the attachment. Are you talking about the Yeah, I'm going to throw in, do you think I can slip in the character right now, or the, the commander? Oh, yeah, so then, yeah, but then I would say commander, not Oh, okay, character. you're right, sorry. So they all say character under... That's all getting edited out then. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you've got the points to spare, uh... For a well, hang never on. mind, no points. <laughs> All right, if you really want to pack a punch with this unit, though, uh, you want to put in the commander Gregor Gregor Cougain. If you're looking for a spot to put that uh, that commander, this is your unit. So charged enemy units become panicked, and so 
You know, you're not always going to get the charge off of these guys, but when you do, they're going to become panicked, which helps. But when the unit makes a melee attack, it deals D3 additional wounds. And what's so important about this is that it triggers off of your set for charge. So when they charge you, you get to do your free attack against them, and it does D3 additional wounds. Then they hit you. Then you get to do your activation attack and do another set of attacks with that additional D3 wounds. And that can make this a real, turn this situation into a real meat grinder and oh, yeah. uh, really dish out the hurt. And it's D3 additional wounds. So any right. high value target, if you're worried about like outriders coming in uh, or heavily armored troops, these guys will mulch. Right. I mean, if you think about it too, like, I mean, if we want to go for the absolute best case scenario, you know, you could get charged in the front, take the combat space, get your attack, oh. uh, and then uh, take their activation and get a third attack, you know, where you're doing D3 wounds three times. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it could definitely, I mean, you'd have to be kind of uh, out of your mind to, to charge into that, uh, seeing that that's an available option. But, you know, you can see that that could kind of cascade into a pretty ridiculous uh, set of effects there. All right, so then uh, the next unit I wanted to check in on with you is the Knights of Casterly Rock. Uh, so these are the heavy cavalry units. They uh, have a movement of five. Uh, they have a lance, which hits on a three plus. Uh, they have six uh, dice at their first rank, three dice on their second rank. Um, they have a three plus armor save, six plus morale save. Uh, and they have the ability lance. When charging, this attack rolls plus three dice. Uh, so that'd be nine and six, respectively. Uh, and it gains critical blow, which means rolls of six deal two hits and sundering. Uh, so you're rolling an extra three dice, you get critical blow and sundering. Uh, and last but certainly not least, they also have the ability Lannister Supremacy. Ooh Barf. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about these guys. What do, I mean, what do you think, uh, Chase? All right. So, I mean, this is another unit that I feel like is... Um... It works on two levels. So there's like the training wheels version, and I've had this happen many times, where you're not quite used to positioning them and they get caught out in the open. Well, guess what? They've got pretty good armor. Three plus yeah. is nothing to scoff at, assuming they're not getting you know hit in the rear. Um, and they've got Lannister Supremacy. So you can, you can uh, weather an attack, hit them back, and then if you need to retreat or fight back from there, um, you have a bit of a tar pit ability in that you can be doing damage with your morale. Um, yep. Now, ideally, you do want to be getting that lance charge off, and this is where that skill ceiling can increase. Where that, if you are good at maneuvering this unit, they are they're quite potent. I mean, uh, the lance that attack is nothing to scoff at, um, and uh, I think that's is a cool design choice here. Where you know it really can be supportive of newer players, but later down the line, you're going to see some people doing some really great tactics with this unit. And I think as the game progresses, this will be a unit that becomes more efficient when more um, attachments, mounted attachments become available and it will probably become like a mainstay of the, the Lannister army because they don't have a lot of maneuverable units. And although it's got speed five, it's not the fastest, uh, that free cavalry maneuver really helps them put some distance out there. Yeah. I mean, they're moving at the same speed at the, as the Bolton flayed men, but they are an inch slower, uh, than any of the wolves or the, uh, the Stark outriders. Um, I mean, these guys, their charge is scary. Uh, their Lannister supremacy is going to trigger maybe a little bit more often than the Lannister guards. Obviously, they can't have a guard captain, so there's no automatic success. But, you know, with a morale of 6+, plus, for the most part, they're passing their test. 
um, you know, unless something has hit them from the side or in the rear. Uh, and, and again, that makes you much less likely to take uh, ranged damage, um, you know, and a lot of stuff's really just going to bounce right off their armor. And that's really uh, the key thing right there, though, is a lot of times with cavalry, um, it's hard to run them down, and so you want to yeah. shoot them. Chase, did you say cavalry or oh, cavalry? Oh, cavalry, cavalry. Thank okay. you to uh, the, the Facebook users out there. This. Oh, my We're goodness. Gonna... <laughs> Everything I know is a lie. Yeah. Um, just, I, I know we're getting roasted online about, uh, <laughs> that mispronunciation. So let's make sure we, uh, punch that one. The sound it out. I saw someone actually posted a list and it said, uh, you know, Stark cavalry list. And I was going to be like, I should comment and say it's cavalry. Yeah. But I'll let that slow. Yeah. But speaking of cav- cavalry, you don't really have much of a high horse to stand on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so then, you know, as far as as far as these guys go, there's really only one, you know, option for attachments. So obviously, you'll probably have a favorite here, but uh, you know, you got Gregor Clegane, the mounted behemoth. Now, this guy is a straight up monster. Uh, now he's three points. Uh, his order is overrun, so it's once per uh, round. When this unit destroys an enemy, instead of maneuvering, this unit may pivot and make a free charge action. Okay, Uh, and then the second thing is unstoppable fury. Charged enemies become panicked, and then when this unit makes a melee attack, it deals D three additional wounds. So on a charge, just to kind of (laughs) wrap it all up, you're talking nine dice. Hits on a three plus. It's got sundering. Rolls of six deal two uh, hits, uh, and it does D three wounds and an enemy becomes panicked, and if that does kill the unit, you could turn around and charge somebody else. Holy effing F. I love that it. That is a really good <laughs> ability. Yeah, people complain about the, the Bolt and Flayed men. This unit here, this is the nightmare. It's so uh, much better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so much better. And yet, yes, you are paying for it. And yes, instead of a 2-plus armor save, they have a 3-plus armor save. But with all the other abilities they have, Lannister Supremacy, the Lance, uh, it's just so good. It's net. And then think about this. You charge in, enemy becomes panicked, right? So maybe you use that offensively. Or if you're expecting them to respond with an mm-hmm. attack, then you go, okay, I'm going to pass my test. And then when you take the Lannister Supremacy check, then I'm going to use the panic check. So, I mean, it's, it's disgustingly good. Uh, combined and it's one point more than Flaidman. so yeah now we're talking it is literally the most expensive unit you can have uh but gosh i i can't really see how you don't find some value in that unit and i mean it's it's a uh, durable i mean i know going back to that it's not a two plus save but you, archers aren't going to want to attack it there's going to be units on the board that don't want to hit them right and you know using your tactics cards or the ncus um yeah you can make this unit even more of a monster whenever you want. You know, you can boost it from afar. 100%. Yeah. I mean, these guys, these guys are beastly for sure. And they're, they're great uh, even without him. And now you're just doubling down on it. So it's, it's a great unit. Yeah. And I expect as yeah. more options get put into the game, um, I mean, the base level is so great. They're only going to get better. Okay. Uh, all right. So then let's go back to the ground here so that we don't have to say cavalry anymore. Uh, <laughs> but moving on to the House Clegane Mountains men. Uh, so these guys are moving at a five. Uh, they hit on a three plus. Uh, they go from eight to six to four. 
they save on a four plus morale check is a seven plus uh, their ability is vicious methods uh, critical blow which means rolls of six cause two hits and vicious defenders suffer minus two to panic tests uh, and these guys are six points so what do you what do you think of these guys Chase? these guys are great uh, I've actually struggled with them because when I put them on the on the board and I try to make it a meteor unit um, they oftentimes I get them they get target down pretty quickly and uh, without the Lannister supremacy, even that four plus armor save, and then the kind of classic uh, Lannister problem of their defensive stat lines decreasing rather dramatically and only having four attacks in the last rank, uh, at least now in the starter sets we have, or it's Starks versus Lannister, um, they don't attrition very well. And in an army where most things do attrition well in that, sure, we can't hit you as much, but we have other ways to push that damage through. Um, sure, there's critical blow, but I feel a lot less comfortable trying to get sixes when I'm rolling four dice than I'm rolling six. And because I can't force you to take those panic tests from hitting me, I feel like they're a little bit more limited. So this is a, probably more of a, a more surgical tool that you're going to want to be using. And, uh, you know, there, I think the skill level is much higher. But that brings me up to kind of this question with a lot of the Lannister units is that, you know, the burden of execution, how much work do you have to do to, to get a certain outcome? Is there another unit or combo you could be taking instead of these guys to do comparable damage and have a little bit more of a safety net? Yeah, I, I can't help but feel like these guys are, to borrow the term from Admiral Akbar, uh, it's a trap. These guys, for their points, are a complete waste, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, you know, yeah, they have more offensive output, but... Honestly, if I see these guys on the board, I am dumping everything on them to just delete them in like a round or two because I can shoot them at will. Uh, I can run them down with cavalry. They have, you know, just a decent morale. Uh, once they start losing ranks, their combat effectiveness uh, shoots way down. Uh, you know, they have the vicious synergy with, um, uh, you know, with, with the Lannister abilities generally. But goodness, I got to say, like these guys, um, I really couldn't ever see taking them at six points over a unit of Lannister guards with a with a guard captain. Well, I mean, the, it's, it's really further heightened when the rest of your army, there is a you're disincentivizing the enemy to attack the rest of your army. But these yeah. guys, it's OK. Well, guess what? Then, then everything's going to hit them. You know, it's like I don't want to yeah. shoot anything else with my bowmen. But those guys look good. I'll take them out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no. And, These guys are a tasty target for sure. And unlike the guard, uh, the the halberdiers who have a similar uh, armor value, um, the halberdiers have that that front charge. You don't want to charge them, or at least there's a, a thing that's going to put a question in your mind of, man, do I really want to charge them and take that seven hits right off the bat? Or these guys are like, you yeah, know, no, we'll just go in there and hit them. Let's just kill them because if we do one rank worth of damage, they drop down by two dice, and we'll just keep pounding on them. Right. Like, these guys are just marginally better than Stark Sworn Swords, you know? That's um, a good point. So, I mean, yeah, they hit a little bit better. You know, they hit in a 3+. plus. Uh, they have Critical Blow and Vicious. Uh, they have slightly worse morale. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I, I don't think all those things are worth... I mean, I, I just think that... I don't, wouldn't say this unit's not worth taking, but gosh, for 6 points, I mean, I would take... You know, I'd take the Crossbowmen, or I would take the, you know, uh, Halberdiers first before I would take these guys. Right. Or I would juice up my Knights of Casterly Rock, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the mountain, you know, and uh, then you're talking a much more burly unit. So now, if you were going to take these guys, 
what attachment would you Ooh, have? that is a good question because I have only taken them a few times uh, and generally been disappointed. I think if you're going to do the Mountain Men and you're going to go this route, you really want to double down on House Clegane and you're going to take a commander that's going to give you tactic cards that trigger off of House Clegane units, which is going to make them much better. But suddenly now you're building out an army around this one unit and you know it's sort of counterintuitive and i think maybe as new units come out and maybe we see this sort of sub faction developed maybe they'll see more play time um but you know the thing is it's weird is he doesn't really synergize or they don't really synergize with some of the other characters like uh sander clegane it makes the unit a house unit a house clegane unit it already is it gives them plus one to hit and gives their attacks vicious well, they already have Vicious, and, and then if you use that ability, the unit suffers D3 wounds. You're not going to want to put Jamie in there for counterattack, because on a 4-plus save, you might as well put Jamie in something that's got better armor. Um, what about what about like Braun? You know, if you want to bring in a, a mercenary attack. You could. Now, that might actually help, because it would give them the extra the extra movement. So it's yeah. the plus 1 movement, and then it's plus 2 dice on the attack, correct? Yeah, and plus 2 morale. And plus 2 morale. So, you know, that's going to be a benefit. Um, but then we're talking an eight-point unit, and then we're talking Knights of Casterly Rock. Right, and it's definitely <laughs> not, definitely not an eight-point unit. Um, so, so that's, that's a, a that's a problem there. there. This right. is what they would call like a back of the binder type of card. You know, it's sort of the, you know, hey, I got these guys. I'll throw them on the table once in a while. Maybe if I want to do a theme list or, uh, you know, really do something where I'm just swarming. Uh, you know, maybe I'm using the mountain as my commander, so I want to just have everybody be House Clegane. Uh, you know, maybe this will be your sort of rank and file in some sort of Clegane army down the road, right? So if we have like a, uh, you know, maybe like a Clegane uh, cavalry unit, a Clegane uh, ranged unit, you know, then then maybe these guys will be the filler for that. But right now, now is not their time. Now is not their day for sure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So then uh, maybe one day there'll be an attachment that just says uh, this unit is just better than it. <laughs> And that's what they'll that's what they'll need. Uh, okay, so then let's talk about this next unit, which I think is good. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, so we're talking about the Lannister crossbowmen. Uh, so they move at a five, a hit on a three plus everybody. Uh, so they are go seven, seven, and then three. So they don't lose anything on the second rank, but then they go down pretty dramatically on their last rank. Uh, their close combat ability, they hit on a four plus, and they are five, four, three. Uh, and then they have a armor save of five plus. They have a morale of eight plus. Uh, crossbow is long range. That's 12 inches. Uh, and here it is, sundering uh, in a ranged weapon. So talk to me, Chase. What do you think of these guys? All right. So this is a great unit if you can get them into position. And I just say if because right now with Starks versus Lannister, um, cavalry on, uh, oh, cal- cavalry on the Stark is. side is just so effective that these guys are going to have a really hard time staying out of combat. Um, and uh, they're a juicy target. But if you can get them into position, they're going to do some serious damage. And what you're really trying to do is get shots off into the flank. Mm-hmm. Now, the there are some combos with tactic cards or, or with your commanders, really, or um, NCUs. Uh, I've been playing a lot of the High Sparrow, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But he can give plus two morale to a unit. And that pairs well with this in that you can shoot into combat and when you force your own unit to take a morale test because they're being friendly fired upon they're less likely to be hit and then you're doing some decent damage into combat um but i think you know seven dice seven dice 
uh, with Sundering is pretty sweet. It just yeah. you just got to watch out for units like Stark Bowman that can shoot over train that don't need line of sight, and you got to watch out for cavalry. There you go. <laughs> you do it, Chase. Woo! You're learning. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think that you hit on a really important point there is that unlike the Stark unit, which uh, can fire over intervening units and terrain, these guys have to have a clear line of sight. So you kind of have to expose them a little bit in order to fire, uh, which you know that can make things a little bit more challenging. I find these guys pair really well with the maneuver zone, which sounds a little weird, but let me explain. Um, I think being able to turn them to face an enemy before they activate and fire, or if they can um, retreat and then fire, is, is, is really important for them. And then, of course, if you're already pointing at somebody, you take that combat space and then you can fire you know, maybe twice in one round. And that is uh, a pretty huge attack. Um, and, you know, there's really no risk of reprisal there. So I think these guys are pretty nasty. Now, um, in terms of attachments, I mean, are you are you putting anything in there? Are you leaving these guys as is? Generally, I've been leaving them as is because I feel bad dumping a lot of points into them. Um, you know, I sometimes have put a character in there that it just needs a spot to go, like a Tyrion Lannister. Um, but in general, I feel like it could be a trap to put too many points in this unit. Now, I know there have been some people saying, you know, this is a great target for Braun as well. Um, but usually I just find out, like, it's a fragile unit. This is a unit that could get charged and take a significant number of casualties. They've got an 8-plus morale. They've got 5-plus armor. Um, and it's not too unlikely that they're going to get engaged at some point in the game. So I'm a little bit hesitant to double down and really bulk them up. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't forget, too, we have, like, uh, you know, if you're talking about the Lannister mirror match, you have a... Uh, turn one Cersei Lannister pull against these guys. Uh, you know, taking the crown space, they got to roll a ten, which on a two six sided dice is somewhat difficult. Um, you know, it, it, they're they're going to lose some people like right away. So so they they're a little bit squishy for sure. They're they're I think you know a classic example of a of a glass cannon. And I guess there are some people that would put like as a commander uh, Tywin Lannister in there. So whenever that unit activates, a unit at long range becomes weakened. And it also then gives the unit Lannister supremacy, so that'll discourage some counterfire. Um, and when they do get inevitably charged, at least they're being hit by a weakened unit. Um, but it, it's another unit where it's like, that's a lot of thought going into this one unit when I could be moving things around to make the rest of my army better, and this is just a, a flex piece. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then let's talk about... So we talked about them already in, in, in as an attachment version. But Gregor Clegane is so cool, he can ride <laughs> along by himself. So we're talking about the four-point Gregor Clegane, the mountain that rides. Uh, so he moves at a five, his cavalry, so he's got the free maneuver action. He has uh, only one rank because he's one guy. He hits on a three-plus, he's got four dice. Uh, saves on a two-plus, morale of a three-plus, and he's got four wounds. Now, his ability cleaving blows also includes critical blow so rolls of six deal two hits charged enemies become panicked and last but not least and this is my favorite defenders do not get defense saves so let's talk about this guy all right absolutely love him and the fact that he's so maneuverable he can get where he needs to be and then when he gets there he does work just makes him an all-star and it's just a fun unit to play with the no defense saves when you're riding up and just 
hacking things down. I mean, I've got caught up sometimes using them in maybe an inefficient way or maybe tactically <laughs> necessary, but like just hunting down wolves, being like, I hate these wolves. I'm so annoyed when you play your, your wolf, your uh, wham list. <laughs> double wolf activation list yeah. just be able to ride and be like thump i'm gonna get a wolf here um is is nice uh you know it is a little bit harder to get to them sometimes they are a little bit faster but uh in an army of slow moving blocks to have one little fast maneuverable unit like this that can slip between units and actually fit where it needs to go is a blessing <laughs> yeah i mean those little guys like the single the small uh unit bases are, are really maneuverable um, and seem to, you know, really be able to tuck themselves in wherever they need to be. Now, um, when I'm seeing this guy, I, I love him thematically. I think for four points, he's like really a bruiser, you know? Um, I mean, for one point more, you can get a unit of Stark Sworn Swords. I'm taking this guy all day long. <laughs> However, because some of these people read these stats and they're like, holy cow, this guy is just a straight monster. He's going to mow my whole army down. How in the world am I ever going to be able to beat this guy? Two plus armor save, three plus morale. You're absolutely right. It is really tough to get around. However, he only has four wounds. Uh, and so what you really need to do is to get him wrapped up and just through sheer volume of firepower, mow him down. So this isn't like the Lannister Guardsmen where you can just go, I'm going to ignore them and because they're so annoying to attack that they're just going to reflect damage on me. This guy, you got to deal with them. So I'm okay with committing two units to him to just knock him out of the game as early as possible. And the way that you do that is really by getting in the flank, you know, especially with Sundering, getting in the rear if you can, wrapping him up, and then finishing him off. Because if you get him hit him four times, uh, then he then he drops. That's really the way to, to, to get the, get this guy out of the game. And I feel like you've dealt with him effectively in um, basically trying to bait him out and wait till you can get him to engage into something so that either a cavalry unit can come around, a cavalry unit can come around behind, <laughs> And uh, and just wipe them out in, in one turn, um, getting a charge in the rear um, and, uh, you know, starting to get him in a position where either he's not going to charge because he's afraid of that happening. And then therefore I'm like wasting him. I can't actually use him um, or you know, just just trying to wipe him out as quick as you can. Yeah, I like for this guy. My answer is Outriders. I get around behind him. Uh, maybe if you had Berserkers and they're in the right position, if you have Crossbowmen, if you're using Lannisters, or even Halberdiers, you know, uh, you get a rear charge on, I mean, it probably won't happen, but you get a rear charge with <laughs> Something's gone horribly wrong. Gregor Clegane. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always like to paint the best possible picture for you. Yeah? <laughs> fair enough, fair yeah. enough. I'm always bad at evaluating units in that respect, so I'm always like, well, man, if I, you know, if everything lines up perfectly and the sun is in its equinox, then I'm going to be able to kill 18 guys in one go. Um, but yeah, so I think generally speaking, this guy's awesome, huge fan. Um, I prefer the original mountain from the show to the big muscly guy, but hey, that's just me. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there, Chase. But you'll have fun playing this unit if you take this unit. He chopped a horse's head off in one shot. That's I mean, true. That's just, come on. Well, I don't know if it was the horse he's riding, though, because to scale that horse is like a behemoth. Oh that's the God. real mountain. It is a mountain. <laughs> like, I think they just yeah. took the proportions of the model and just like tripled it. And we're like, that's right, right? It's like I think it's like a, one of those Budweiser Clydes deals that he's riding. Oh, that must it's be not it. like a yeah. regular, you know, horse horse. Oh, it's definitely something. You put him next to, yeah, Brendan Tully or something. You're like, what is the, what's going on here? Yeah, he's on some like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or something. <laughs> 
It's a, yeah. um, all, right. <laughs> all right. So then we have one unit here that has been spoiled, uh, which I wanted to talk about, which I think is uh, super cool, um, which is the Pyromancers. I think we've maybe uh, touched on them briefly before, uh, but these guys are so interesting uh, and are really different from a lot of what we've seen before. So uh, they are a seven point unit. So they're getting a little up there for an infantry unit. Uh, they move at a speed five. Uh, they have a ranged attack, which is short range, so six inches. Uh, it's a hit on a three plus, and it's a six five three. Or close range, uh, it's a three plus, and it's a six five three. Uh, armor save is a six plus. Morale is a seven plus. Now, there's a lot of rules here, so let me just <laughs> read through these. Deep breath. Their, their short range attack uh, is wildfire. Uh, defenders do not get saves against this attack. And you ready for this? It's also vicious. Okay, because apparently being on fire is, uh, you know, enough to scare people a little bit. To me, I love it. Makes so much more sense than shooting Lannister Guardsmen with Bowman and having half my unit on the way. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. So then the other option is in melee. Okay, so for each roll of a one, uh, and I think I screwed this rule up when we talked about them last time. For each roll of a one, deal this unit and the defender one wound. So at close combat, you're only missing on a two. You're on a one, you're taking a wound yourself. On a two, you miss three, four, five, six. All of those are hits on the enemy. Uh, and again, defenders do not get defensive against this attack, and they are also vicious. So these guys are pretty cool. What do you think, Chase? Uh, this is going to be absolutely amazing. And in a, in a, we're starting to see this sort of strategies develop where you're either, you know, potentially boosting the morale of your units to try and get more Lannister supremacy. But all of those strategies will be playing into this where you can shoot into friendly uh, units that are engaged and hopefully have enough of morale boost that you don't have to worry about it. But what's really cool is that this unit, I think, is really well balanced. Um, yeah. This is a fragile unit that if you can play well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really do work. But if you mess up, I mean, they're literally a glass cannon. You're, they got six plus armor. They're, I mean, it's going to be saving on sixes no matter what because most of the time they're probably going to be just getting hit with things that can, can negate their armor as it was. So yeah. you're going to need those sixes. They're, they're a glass cannon, and that glass is full of... <laughs> exactly. They're dropping <laughs> at their feet. Um, I do have to say, though, I have had some games where I have rolled particularly poorly, and this is going to be a really frustrating unit to play if you're just having one of those games where you're just rolling one after one after one. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I think I'd be fine with that. I think if I, you know, I take wound and you take a wound, it's like, that's fine. I mean, depending on who you're fighting, obviously. It's, right. It's going to be some uh, free folk trash that you're, you know, like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And they're just coming back on the other side of the board for free. Like, Great. darn, that was a waste. Now, the vicious ability, obviously, that's huge. You have almost no chance of, unless you roll all twos, which would be a miracle, uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're 100% going to trigger a panic test. So if you know that you're going to be able to get these guys off and maybe throw out uh, some other effects to, um, you know, the enemy, like a Cersei Lannister, put a panic token on them, uh, you know, uh, maybe use the, some tactics cards i mean these guys that is not insignificant now i think if these guys have a a, a drawback uh it is uh that they are short range you know six inches is not that far um you know in, in terms of uh a ranged weapon you really have to be almost right on top of an enemy and they'll definitely be in charge range uh after that um so you kind of have to be very careful with positioning these guys i think these guys also 
uh, like the crosswomen, uh, they probably appreciate the use of the maneuver space, right? right. So you can get them close um, without having to activate them and then activate them. But you probably want to approach a unit that has already activated so that you know, when you hit the maneuver space, you don't immediately just get charged by those guys. So here's a question then. Would you charge this unit with a full unit of Outriders? Uh, yeah, I would. Okay, because there's, <laughs> there's seven points. I'm just thinking, like, if you don't kill them, so they're only going to do six wounds max. Um, yeah. Then you have the Vicious. Um, but I'm wondering, is this the kind of unit you'd rather throw a Berserker unit into and be like, sure, like... I'm going to take some damage, but I'm good. You're losing a seven-point unit. Right. And I mean, uh, if I'm in charge range, I'm charging these guys, right? I mean, if especially cavalry, you know, I'm probably going to charge them in the flank. Their their save can't get worse. Uh, you know, their morale's decent. But, you know, you're probably going to punch a ton of damage through, um, you know, and then, and then hopefully, uh, you know, get some guys to run away. Now... I mean, who knows? Uh, we'll, I guess we'll have to get these guys on the table. We'll have to either proxy them in the meantime until they come out or, you know, maybe in the what's like November or something like that, December, yeah. that they're going to be arriving. Um, you know, get them on the table. I'm just wondering if... On the table. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the Cue the thing. music. We're going to play that right now. Um, what, I, what I'm wondering, though, is, is, is this going to be a unit that was going to promote taking Stark Bowman um, to just gun down from afar? Or so. is that wildfire and, and melee... Is that going to be somewhat of a turn against certain units charging them? Um, I mean, these guys uh-huh. love to see, you know, any high armor target. You know, you're talking about, okay, the mountain that rides, great. You oh, God, yeah. yeah. You know? Done. Uh, you know, uh, you have Bolton Cutthroat, or Bolton uh, Flayed Men, you know, no problem. They're just, every single one of them is going to take a wound. It, it's, uh, these guys are a really strong answer for that type of stuff. Um, but then, of course, you know, you have to protect them. So right. uh, they're an investment. I think they're really interesting, which, you know, that's a cool design space. I'm interest, interested to see where the game's going to be in like six months, though, because the, the Stark units that are coming out, this unit, are really coming down on heavy armor units. They're just pushing through the wounds. Mm. Then we're going to go into a cycle. We're going to see um, the, the free folk coming out that really don't care about that quite as much. Um, and I'm just going to see what, what's the meta going to develop like in the next few months. And then, you know, in eight months, are we going to see more units like this? Is it going to go back to an armor meta? Uh, I'm really curious, or maybe there'll yeah, be I mean, siege weapons by then. <laughs> well, we, we know there's going to be the, um, uh, what are they called? The, uh, like the bolt thrower, whatever they're, the, 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 uh, night's watch, um, yeah. siege weapon is called. I mean, those are pretty cool too. I feel like right now, um, you know, ranged in general has limited usefulness uh, in some cases. Uh, I feel like my Stark Bowmen tend to have struggles with uh, a lot of Lannister targets. I think the Crossbowmen are good, but they're very squishy, and the Pyromancers have that limited range. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe there'll be some, uh, you know, attachments in the future, maybe some NCUs that kind of like, you know, encourage more ranged play. But I'm going to be super interested to see what kind of, um, you know, what kind of style uh, changes the Night's Watch and the Free Folk bring to the game, uh, and as well as any other units that may come out for these two guys. Because, you know, we're starting right now, we're really looking at sort of just mostly core set material. Uh, and so the game's very like, you know, rock, paper, scissors style. And then here comes wrench, you know, so right. it's a completely uh, oblique angle. You know, we've got the, you know, the, the Night's Watch with their vows, stealing attachments. So I think they're really going to be exploring some really creative, interesting space. 
Um, and I'm really super excited to see, you know, how those guys are going to line up uh, with what we have so far. Okay, so uh, next up here we have a couple of NCUs to talk about. Uh, and I wanted to talk about starting with the cheap one, uh, starting with uh, Picel. Uh, so Picel, the Grand Maester, uh, has the ability Manipulation and Deception. When Picel claims a zone on the tactics board, one enemy unit becomes weakened. So what do you think of this guy, Chase? I uh, try to take him every game we play. I think that that yeah. weakened token. I've noticed. <laughs> oh my goodness! I just—he's a three-point unit, um, and while he might not be the best NCU, um, at three points, he's a steal. And weakened tokens are so helpful as a Lannister army because you just want your troops to attrition as well as possible. And if you can get a situation where, because of a weakened token, your Lannister supremacy is is triggering for an extra turn or two, um, it's entirely worth it. And the guardsmen can be made so resilient. And or any unit. Like you've got a lot of scary stuff, berserkers, etc. And if I can just make it so that when they get to combat, whatever they're good at doesn't happen, um, that's worth the three points for me. Yeah. Well, and let's not forget too, right now, three points is the cheapest NCU you can have, you know, barring taking one as your commander. So I mean, that is uh, pretty awesome. I mean, if you compare him to um, Sansa Stark, who's the three point Stark uh, NCU. I mean, I, I gotta say, Pycelle's way better, <laughs> you know, because his ability triggers every time you activate, um, you know, and that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, okay, so then uh, next up here we have Tyrion Lannister. Uh, so his ability is Tactical Mastermind. Your tactics hand size is increased by one, so you start the game with four cards and you draw up to four when refilling your hand. Holy cow! And then on the top of that. Tyrion begins the game with two order tokens on him. When Tyrion activates, you may discard one order token from him to force your opponent to reveal two tactics cards from their hand, or one if they only have one. Discard one of those cards. Ouch. So then what do you think of this guy? I mean, this is a great style of play where you can essentially starve out your opponent. And I think as the game progresses and we start to see new factions or really distinct styles start to emerge that you know your opponent's going to try and like combo... Um, this guy's going to become more and more valuable. Now, it's only two order tokens, but really you can start to save those for those late game moments when it's really crucial, and you can starve out their hand and you know know that this turn they uh, they can't really hit any of those combos that they want because uh, they're either down to one card or no cards. And um, you know, I think you can play this character really smart to to swing the tides of battle. That being yeah. said. Oh, there's just so many compelling options for the, the Lannisters. It's hard if your list isn't skewed towards this or you really don't know if the person you're playing against, if you, if you don't know their combo well or what sort of style they're going to be playing, there's a big disincentive to take this character. So, you know, maybe as we study the game more and people are much more fluid with with uh, their knowledge of all the opponent's tactics, um, he'll be better. Right now, there's a few other characters that have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for that I I usually take instead. I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, I gotta say, like the the I mean, I'm intrigued by this guy because uh, you know I haven't used him yet myself playing Lannisters, but uh, you know, tactics cards are, are what they represent is options, right? And options that are completely hidden from your opponent. So, unlike a lot of what's happening on the board, you know. I have full knowledge of where your units are, what I have, who's gone, who hasn't. What I don't know is the trickery that you have available to you in your hand. 
So he does two things. One, he gives you more options out of the gates. So you're starting with an additional taxes card and you can hold four. So if you burn through them, which I highly recommend, if you have a chance, use them. Uh, you know, one thing you don't want to do is hold your tactics cards, just waiting for like the absolute perfect opportunity, because guess what? You're probably not going to use them all up anyway. And you want to get through that deck because that means that you're using the cards instead of them just doing nothing. Um, and I completely forgot where I was going with that, but basically, you know, so you're, so you're getting more options, uh, with the tactics card, but also the other part of it is that you have the ability to have them show you a card and discard a card. So not only are you pulling one of their cards and removing it as a choice, which is fantastic like you said like you know if you have two cards left i go okay great let me see them and i'm gonna take the better one and throw it in the garbage the other thing though is i also get to see what you have in your hand right so if i have some tricky stark stuff like uh, a sudden charge where maybe uh you know normally you wouldn't expect my guys to be able to move uh, or my infantry with swift advance is suddenly going to shoot down one side of the board uh okay so now you know that that's a possibility and can prepare for that so it's really just about you know knowing what's going to happen on the battlefield and having more options than than your opponent like if you're going to take some uh crazy outrider list with you know hit and run tactics and your overrunning units um mm -hmm. i could definitely pre-build the list that would include him to help me deal with that for sure um, yeah oh definitely uh all right, well, so that's that's Tyrion. So then uh, next up here we have Cersei Lannister, Queen Regent. Uh, and so her ability is no confidence. Uh, so she influences a unit when she claims the zone of the tactics board. Uh, and while influencing this unit, uh, that unit suffers minus two to morale test rolls. Uh, so some pretty obvious synergies here, uh, Chase, but why don't you, uh, <laughs> why don't oh, you give man. us your, so, uh, you know, hot take? You know, and I don't know how everyone else is playing this game, but... I just can't see a situation where it's not worth me taking her. Um, especially the way I'm building my lists, really relying on Lannister Supremacy as its core. Um, stacking that minus two on top of a minus two already. You know, getting four off of their morale every time they hit one of my guards units, that's what makes them do damage. Um, and the nice thing is I don't have to maneuver them well to do it. All I have to do is have them either get in combat or have someone else charge them and enter them to combat. And then I can place this down wherever it needs to be on the table. Um, mm. Now, ideally, I'm putting on the crown and I can start chipping away at units before we even get into combat. But even if I lose out and now you're like really focused on st shutting that down, I'll take the attack. I'll take the maneuver. I'll just get this out preemptively because I know where the combat's going to go down. And, uh, man, the synergy is just so great with this card. Yeah, I mean, it disincentivizes me from even attacking in some cases. Like, if I have, okay, I've always talked about, like, my bowmen, I don't want to shoot at Lannister Guardsmen generally, right? But if you throw Cersei Lannister's influence on top of that, you know, now I'm definitely not going to shoot them, right? Because there's no way that I'm not going to take more damage coming back from a morale test. So, yeah, I mean, she works as both, you know, a thing that's going to guarantee that you're going to do some damage on a morale check, as well as just a way for you to kind of push me around psychologically, just saying, okay... Uh, you know, if you're going to try anything against my, you know, uh, Lannister guards or my Knights of Casterly Rock, you know, hey, guess what? You know, Cersei's going to be there to, to push some damage through if you if you screw up. Now, I have heard, um, I think Michael Chanel mentioned on his podcast that, um, which, by the way, you should you should download and listen to. Um, uh, I have heard him say that, you know, Cersei Lannister's effectiveness does tend to start to become less apparent the larger the game size. Um, so once you start getting towards, you know, 
50 points or so. Now we're talking about maybe she's not quite as worth it because she's only influencing a single unit. Uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, Tyrion might be a little bit more flexible or, or sometimes Tywin uh, or um, Pycelle uh, because he's cheaper. But uh, otherwise, I, I definitely think Cersei's a, a powerhouse and kind of a, you know, a pretty solid choice uh, for an NCU. And then again, it's, you know, I'm really taking, I'm taking two guardsmen unit as like my base core and then building my army around that. So I'm looking for something to catch the enemy and then really trigger Lannister supremacy as often as I can for as much oomph as I can. Um, and so I think maybe it's just the place that I like she fits in with, but that's what gets difficult is that if I'm going to take her, that's four points. I want to take Pycelle or I could switch him out for Tyrion. But then I'm getting up into the, that eight-point range, and it's like, well, gosh, I'm, I'm really starting to put so many points into my NCUs. Um, and the, and the, the Lannister gameplay really is NCUs and tactics cards. And then the Lannisters play the Game of Thrones. They're, they're playing a card game. So, you know, there's some really difficult choices to make when it comes to this side of the Lannister list building. Yeah, I mean, and so just like you said, like the Lannisters are playing a card game. That's why I feel like, you know... T- you should probably think about Tyrion Lannister maybe the it's, next time we play. Maybe I'll just and I'm not that. saying that. Is this just because, so yeah, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. I'm not trying to psych you out so you don't choose mm-hmm. Cersei. But I, I got to say, I mean, uh, thinking about it, eh, you know, it's pretty good. Maybe maybe take some more Mountains Men. I don't know. You know oh, wait a second, good. wait a second. I see what's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then uh, the, next, the next unit we have here uh, is the Big Dog. Uh, the Great Lion, Tywin Lannister, four points. Uh, his ability is the Reigns of Castamere. Once per game at the start of any turn, choose one enemy combat unit. That unit becomes panicked, vulnerable, weakened, and any attachments on that unit lose all abilities until the end of the round. Flip this card over to show its ability has been used. So it's once per Ooh. game, you shut them down. What do you think? Oh, this is so good, but I'm not good enough to use it. That's the problem. <laughs> I, it's important to know your limitations. I don't know when to use it. I'm like, this is the time. This is the time. Oh, no, that wasn't the time. And yeah. I used it up. Um, yeah. I'm just, you know, I I look at this and I look at Cersei and I say, man, I can screw up around and it's it's okay um, with this. I know the potential is so great. I'm just not building lists that really hit in this way um, where I need to have all those things all at once. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, I would love if people are listening right now and they do use Tywin Lannister and they have a li- certain list they use to play him with, um, please throw it up on our Facebook page at, uh, on the table gaming. Uh, cause I want to see how you're doing this. Cause I would love to get good at doing it, but right now I feel it's above my skill threshold. Yeah, I feel like you're gonna get some uh, some stories of some like serious hail mary plays. You know, like oh, I was about to get charged by the berserkers, and I had three guys left, and I threw this out there, and it, you know, stuffed the attack. I mean, any once per game effect is by its very nature very risky. Now, of course, the tokens are gonna stay on the unit even if you don't. End right, up that helps. Them. Uh, so that's good. Um, you know, it's kind of like okay, well you've thrown 10 points into a unit of flayed men. So I just, you know, Hey, as soon as the game starts, I'm just going to throw this on them and they're going to be, you know, trying to work those tokens off for a long time. Uh, I mean, I probably wouldn't do that because then they could just remove that with the, with the wealth zone, but you know, it, it's got, it's definitely useful. It's a, it's a bomb power, but I gotta say, like, I mean, looking at the other abilities, kind of like what you said, like Pycelle triggers 
every single time. He de- he'll deal with a token. You know, if it goes six rounds, he's dealing six tokens. You know, Tyrion is going to have those four cards for the entire game. Cersei is going to have her minus two. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. We haven't used him really yet, so I'd like to see uh, see him in a game. Maybe I'll uh, we'll switch sides and I'll play Lannisters and oh god, <laughs> give him a shot. Uh, but you know, or maybe we'll do Lannister versus Lannister. Oh maybe man, yeah, Lannister we'll see who can be supreme. Uh, I, yours are painted in mine art. So it'll just would, be all panic tests. Just based on, uh, you know, looking cooler. <laughs> mine will feel supreme even if they're, uh, even if they don't win. Yeah. Yeah. My guys are just red plastic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean the, the uh, Tywin Lannister, I, I, he seems good. I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough choice. All right. So then we got one last NC to, to look at today. Uh, and it is, uh, a character you may remember from the show, the high sparrow father of the faithful, who has the ability unwavering conviction uh, influence uh, when this unit claims into the tactics bo- uh, zone attaches card to a combat unit uh, and while influencing a unit they gain plus two to morale test rolls um, so you have to take him as your commander which means he's zero points but what do you think of this guy I love it um, I I've been really switching over into this style of play and that's going to give me, if I take two NCUs and, and him as my commander, I've got three NCUs that I can put on the tactics board. And that gives me so much control and flexibility. And really being able to give a plus two morale test, uh, the bonus to your test, to a Lannister unit that already has Lannister supremacy, for example, is huge to be able to guarantee, essentially, that that unit's going to pass. It's really, really allowed me to trigger these abilities more. And... Man, I don't know. I just I, I think it's such a great character, uh, and I can still fill out all my units with other other attachments. Um, I'm really I've been really thinking about you know the the way this game has spread its points around, where a unit might be five points, and then an, uh, a character might be like two or three points that you put in that unit, or you could take a generic character uh, you know attachment for one point. That one point attachment. It frees up so many points. I, I almost wonder if the game would have a little bit more flex room if it changed the actual point structure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely a, that's a pretty, that's a huge topic, Chase, but I agree. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the point, the point values are, you know, because they're going with, you know, um, pretty like small numbers that like, you know, the difference between if a unit, like a standard sort of infantry unit's five points, you know, and you're taking uh, an attachment, you know, some of the attachments are, are three points, four points, you know, the, the, or I don't know if there's a four point unit, I guess uh, three points would probably be the most expensive attachment. Um, you know, but comparing that to like, if you can take them as your commander, then there's zero, you know, um, a zero point NCU. I mean, I, I think that's an awesome um, option. You know, I've been taking uh, Roose Bolton as my commander uh, for my Stark Army a lot of times because it's no points. And that's a pretty, uh, massive savings, which you could then just apply to more combat units. Now, that being said, when I do take him as a commander, it's going to change the nature of my army a lot, and it's going to want to be more of a grindy, um, a grindy force. And I'll put up a sample list for this, but because some of the tactics cards are about blocking hits or restoring wounds, um, you're really relying on your Lannister supremacy to do a lot of the damage, and you're just going to stick it out. You're going to you're going to take damage. You're going to keep healing up, and you're just going to sit there and grind and grind and grind. So that may not be the most fun to play against, and it may not be your a really fun way for you to play. Um, I personally enjoy it. I like trying to see. It's like a mini game. Like, can I get my units where they need to be, and then can I keep them alive yeah. and slowly grind out the other units, and then kind of try and eke out wins wherever I can. 
Um, I don't know if this style of play will last in this upcoming maybe meta of units that ignore armor and push through wounds. Um, I so. <laughs> but we'll see. I'm having fun for now. Yeah, I mean, so so you and I played the game yesterday, right? With your, your oh, yeah. Sparrow-led uh, army with three NCs total. Um, and, you know, I was doing really well on the combat front. Uh, we were playing, oh gosh, what's the name of the game? Of, Is it Feast for Crows? Uh, Feast of Crows. Uh, and so, you know, I had a, lot, a bunch of guys failing panic tests all over the place. You were never failing panic tests because you were just uh, throwing out that plus two. You had guardsmen, captains just going, nah, it's fine. We're not going to fail that test. And uh, even though I was basically way ahead on units right i had killed you had you had what one unit guards down to left. one unit guardsman yeah yeah i still had two fairly damaged units of sworn swords i had a unit of berserkers i had a unit of outriders you know so i mean in terms of like if you were looking at the table you'd be like geez you know right you're getting smoked <laughs> uh and then you know you had this come from behind victory with this uh massive sweep of victory points from my berserkers as you knock them out on the very last turn and so what it is is, uh, you know, it, the Lannisters are really, you know, like they're using the the game mode to their advantage. They're probably not winning on combat. What they're winning on is points, and points win you the game. And that's the important thing to keep uh, an eye on while you're playing and while you're strategizing and building your list is that, you know, yeah, you could build a unit that does a ton of damage, but if you lose because you don't have enough guys to hold points in game of thrones or uh you know you've taken all these named attachments and now when you respawn in uh was a clash of kings you know there's there's going to be some lack of flexibility there so um you know it's i think high sparrow is a really strong addition to a lannister unit and i think he's going to get even stronger as there are more of those sort of uh, you know, faith militant type units. Well, I wonder also in the long term for the Lannisters, what's the design space going to look like? Are they going to be putting out more units that have Lannister supremacy? Or are we going to start to see some really attractive options like the Pyromancers where I'm like, oh, I really want to take them. Yeah, But they don't have I mean, Lannister that, supremacy. I, I still think that, you know, the, the, generally speaking, this game is so fun and awesome. I, you know, I still, I, 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 I hate <laughs> Lannister supremacy so much. Because it's just so hard to work around, and it's always there. Um, I, I hope they, des they explore more design space. I hope that's not like, okay, every unit's just going to have this ludicrous ability that just triggers every single time. I mean, it wouldn't even be that bad if it was like a minus one penalty or no penalty. Right. And I just had to take a panic test, you know. But it's just the fact that like, nothing I really do is going to stop it from being able to go off over and over again, regardless. It's just, you know, it's such a, it, it can be a real feel bad moment because unlike, uh, you know, getting attacked, uh, morale is just like, whatever your dice are, that's it. So you roll snake eyes and you look at those two dice, you're like, well, you know, I just lost a whole bunch of dudes. Well, and I think, uh, you know, it's sort of telling you were saying like, Oh, we got all those points off the berserkers. Well, you know, the berserkers have incredible morale, yeah. but I've got tactic cards that are going to give you a minus one to your to your uh, roll and a minus one for every destroyed rank. I've yep. got Cersei. There are so many cards I can use to overcome your morale right. that you know it's still a threat. And the thing is, most of those cards are very difficult for you to play around. Right. Um, there's not a lot of ways for you to counter that component. Um, I mean, I have. You, there's only two cards in the in the Stark deck that directly uh, you know apply a bonus to my morale check. And by default, it's a one, and then it's plus one for each destroyed rank. 
So you already had me at like a negative five. Because <laughs> it was, we had uh, Lannister guards, Cersei, and we were next to a corpse pile. Uh, and I tried to apply a, a plus three, and then you just played fealty through the crown. It was like, oh my god! Or, was it, or, <laughs> might, or it might have been hear me roar, but or hear me roar. It yeah, was, yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, I, I have those options, um, yeah. and you know, it really makes the Lannister deck. Um, you know, and I know I don't play the Starks as much, so I'm sure the tactics decks are just as important. And you're always using it, like you're playing so many cards that like move all your units around to be like winning on the battlefield. And then I can be like, yeah, okay, so I'm gonna make that unit over there. Like those guys are gonna run away now. Yeah. Bye. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just burning down units. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I think what I like is that there is a completely different way of playing the game. I mean, this game would be kind of boring if it was like, you know, we had, you know, two different versions of the exact same thing. Like you had, you know, your swordsman, I had my swordsman and like they had slightly different stats. Like, you know, that's not that unique. There's stuff that exists out there that's like that already. You know, this is, they're, they're coming at it from a flavor perspective. You know, personally, I still don't really enjoy playing against Lannister supremacy, but uh, I still think it's a valid tactic. It's, you know, there's... I don't think there's necessarily that many ways around it because it, it can trigger over and over again. Uh, and most of the units that have it don't have the worst morale. Um, but you know, it's, um, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to shape really how the Lannisters work from here on out. And we just have to, we have to deal with it. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we're still figuring things out and, and unfortunately I'm definitely one of those people that likes to play like, the same thing over and over again until I start to like feel like, okay, I'm going to move this one little piece. I'm going to move just that little piece. And then I'm like, okay, I think I have this down. Like now I'll focus on like a different style and just like hyper-focus again. So you've definitely been playing a lot of the same, how can I maximize Lannister supremacy? And uh, yeah. it's been really nice for me because you've been switching it up and polishing some lists, but also like bringing in some things that just surprise me. So uh, I've got a little bit more varied play where I feel like maybe you've been stuck being like, oh, like this, this again. Okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, um, and, and I think part of it too is like, I, I don't think we really have enough games under our belt to say we have any sort of mastery over this, right? So this isn't necessarily going to be a comprehensive. I mean, we might review this in a year from now and say, I can't believe how much we complained about this stupid right. rule. Exactly. It's really not that bad. You know, uh, tournament results have borne out that the Starks win 90% of the time. You know, who knows, right? Um, we're, we're at the point now where we just, you know, we've probably played like, I don't know, 10 times maybe. So it's like uh, over the course of that level of experience, that's what you're seeing, right? So if this was like us evaluating a deck of magic cards or Game of Thrones, a card game, you know, that wouldn't really be enough data to really give us a clear picture on, you know, how things are going to work long term. Um, and I think you can see, you know, not to throw back to Michael Chanel's podcast again, but, you know, he doesn't really seem to think of it. It's that big of a deal. And, you know, he's played a whole lot more games than us. So, you know, who knows? We'll see, I guess. Uh, maybe the playtesters got tired of playing it. Maybe they, uh, you know, they know the, the secret sauce to get around that. Um, but, you know, so far, so far, it's, a, it's definitely a, it's a big deal in our early games. So I think with that being said, I would like to give out a sample list. Um, this is a, a, a base to work off of for Lannister Supremacy. And uh, this is actually not the fine-tuned list that I have yet. I'm saving that for a special episode when we go into some of our more advanced lists. Um, but this is the on-the-table Lannister Supremacy base Lannister Supremacy <laughs> list. That's the actual full title. you got to have the whole thing written out like that. And uh, So you're taking the high sparrow. 
uh, and you're going to take him. You want those tactics cards, Wrath of the Warrior, that's going to give you on a successful uh, morale test plus one to hit and sundering. So that's going to help you get some of your damage out from your guardsmen and your your weaker units. Um, you're going to have the protection of the father, which is going to let them if they make a morale test. When they take damage, they only suffer one wound for every two unblocked hits, which is going to be amazing to get distance out of your guardsmen. So those guys aren't going to die, or any unit. If you make a mistake and your uh, Knights of Castle Rock are out of position, it's okay. Um, and then finally, the Mercy of the Mother. You make a morale test, and on a success, you restore up to four wounds to that unit. If you fail, you still restore two wounds. That's a great one for the cal- uh, cavalry. And just great to keep your guardsmen alive. So there's nothing more uh, despair-inducing than somebody finally being like, oh, my God, the guardsmen are almost dead. We're almost there. And you'd be like, yeah, no, actually, there's uh, there's four more. And uh, we're going to keep doing this for a few more rounds here. So oh, yeah. enjoy your panic tests. Now, in this we version... We have another one, too, right, with the... Uh, there's another card where for every... For every yeah. Buy ...that you replace a unit to a, a friendly infantry unit. So that's the fealty, fealty to the crown. And uh, yeah. it's one wound for every friendly infantry unit. Uh, sorry. So if you makes you take a panic test, and if you fail, the enemy fails, you restore one wound for every model that gets removed. But if you control the crown, you restore up to an additional two wounds. So it's really useful. Um, yeah. Now, in this particular list, I throw in some Lannister uh, halberdiers with an assault veteran to have a little bit of a defensive power, but I often end up just trying to charge with them and get stuck in, and then I can activate Hold the Line on the next turn uh, if I have to. I've got Lannister Crossbowmen in this, and I'd like to try and, and maybe at some point we'll make a video for the Facebook page about ways to position your uh, units so that you can shoot through and have a defensive perimeter around your Crossbowmen while advancing. I had a great game yesterday with Josh in which I did not do anything like that, and in fact, my unit blocked a unit for maybe four rounds of the game where my unit just couldn't do anything and i was like oh man this is this is not working out here um you've got cersei lannister and picel and then obviously the high sparrow those are your three ncus so this is going to give you the control you need to bounce around and do whatever you need to do when the time's needed to keep your units alive or push out damage taking um the wealth if you have to taking the crown taking the maneuver you've got three ncus um, and you're going to be good to be able to push out something that you want. Uh, and if the enemy starts trying to really counterplay you and taking the positions that you would want, maybe for like Cersei on the crown, that's okay. There's plenty of great options on the tactics board. Just take those and maximize your abilities with that. So you're not really bound to uh, any one particular spot. You're just trying to look at how can I maximize all these. I'll still get to put Cersei's influence down somewhere. It's okay. So two Lannister Guardsmen with Guard Captains, the Knights of Castle Rock, Lannister Halberds with Assault Veteran, Lannister Crossbowmen, crossbowmen Just Naked, The High Sparrow, Cersei, and Pycelle. And this is a good base foundation. And I'll talk about later how you can start to mix in some Boltons to really make this messy. Uh, but for now, maybe try starting off with that. And that's 40 points. Man, said with all of the confidence and smugness of a... <laughs> so, you know, after talking to this, jump on over to the Facebook page at On The Table Gaming and let us know, you know, how are you playing the Lannisters how are you playing against the Lannisters and uh, regardless of what you're doing we hope you get the Lannisters on the table